And you're going to hear it from Brittany Brink this morning. We are so blessed at Harvest to have uh, a person, um, really the dynamic team of Ryan and Brittany, who just give and give and give here at Harvest. And if you don't have children, you may not be aware of Brittany's ministry here because oftentimes she's downstairs uh, overseeing a very amazing children's ministry here at Harvest. In fact, if I can brag on it a little bit, I think in Eastern Ontario and Quebec, you'd be hard pressed. You'd have to travel a long ways to find a ministry that is so devoted to the education of children here in the house of God to impart to them the truths of God's word in a way that really help in the transformation. As we come alongside you as parents, we don't do it for you, but we wanna come alongside and do it with you. And this uh, wonderful uh, woman that's coming to preach uh, this morning who's so capable in the word, but really has an authority in this realm of imparting into children. And we're thankful for that at Harvest. I'd like you just to stand to your feet this morning, put your hands together and welcome Brittany Brink as she comes to impart God's word to us today. Brittany, we love you so much. That was quite the introduction. I hope I can live up to it, you know? <laughs> yes, first and foremost, thank you to Pastor Roy. Uh, for trusting us shenanigans to speak. I'm always like, man, if I were him, I would not trust us. <laughs> but don't they look great? They just came back from, from Mexico, right? It was Mexico? Yeah, they look so young. And if we should clap a little louder. Like, they just look healthy and rested and tan. And we all have our pasty skin. And uh, it's good to be in church this morning, hey? It is. Um, if you don't know me, yes, I'm Brittany. I'm married to Ryan Brink. He, I, I, I think the last time I spoke, I said I'm married to the drummer, but I can't say that anymore. There's two drummers here. He was drumming this morning, though. He's often running around doing something. Um, we have three kids. Everest is six. Luella is two. And Sterling is going to be seven months. Uh, so, yes, our, the last time I spoke, I had a big, big belly, uh, if you were here. And... Um, yeah, so our, our, my life, and I direct kids ministry here, so my life is very full of kids right now. It's just very full of kids. And if, you, if you've been around kids for any length of time, you know you can't just be around kids and not just be human, right? Like you're with kids for a little bit and you realize that you are very much human, <laughs> they are very much human, and it's a bit complicated, Right? And it, like, it's, it's beautiful and complicated and also very messy. I, like here, even here at church, someone, someone told me years ago, Brittany, if you're going to oversee kids ministry, you're going to spend a lot of money and make a big mess. So get on the good side of your finance person and your cleaning person because you're going to make both of them mad at some point. <laughs> and that person was so true. <laughs> and, but like downstairs, the two rooms that the younger kids are in, every time I go in, I'm like, oh, it's just, they're just messy, you know, like just random bins full of random stuff and just, and the storage room was messy downstairs. My... My diaper bag is messy. My um, my van. <laughs> I actually I think I have a I have a problem. Actually, runs in the family. My sister has this problem. We all have this problem. It's like it is a generational problem. <laughs> Our vehicles are very dirty. But a few weeks or not a few weeks, a few years ago, when we bought our van, uh, right before we bought it, Ryan, my dear husband, he goes, he's like so. Well, he didn't. That was a very high note. He didn't. He said, so, uh, you know, I really think that we should, um, you know, have just like a new rule that we're not going to eat in the van. And I like, I, yes, I laughed, but at first I was like, are you, are you serious? Because if you, if you have kids or, you know, grandkids, how do you get to point A to point B without giving a snack? Like we get in the car to go to Oma's and they live seven minutes away, and I give a snack. So my van is littered with goldfish, the crust of cinnamon toast, cheese stick wrappers. It's, it's bad. So, but the thing, I think the, the thing <laughs> that has been affected the most since we had our third child is our home. I really, I do like tidy. Now, my, I have a problem with vehicles, but I really do like tidy. I like my home to be tidy. I'm constantly purging. Who likes to purge? 
I'm a huge purger. I, I, don't, I don't like knickknacks. I don't want a lot of stuff. But with three kids and five people living on one, under one roof, like we just have more stuff and it's just messier and I don't have the time. <laughs> so our house is just naturally messy. <laughs> but mess aside, I love home. Who loves home? Yeah. Oh, look at someone. Lene. Oh, yeah. You go away. Ryan and I just went away for our ninth anniversary in February. And, uh, and we went away for one night. Yes. We went away for one night. And like, we were like, okay, let's go home. <laughs> like, I love my bed. When you get home, like you guys just got home. Did it feel good to be home? They're like, no, I wanted to be. No. Okay. No. Yes. It feels good to be home. If you can think of the ideal home, what are some words that you think of? Throw it out. I'm used to this with kids. Cozy. Peace. Oh, you got, I'm used to kids. They are quick to yell out. <laughs> yeah, safe. Yeah, cozy. Oh, you can let down your hair. You can just be yourself. You can be off. You don't have to be on. You know that feeling like you can just be off. Home is so, so good. Uh, and I'm convinced actually that we all have this emotional connection to home. When you think about home, oh, you typically feel, oh, my home, I can relax. And I am, I'm convinced that this feeling of home is part of God's design for us humans. And it really goes back all the way to the Garden of Eden, where the first people, God created a perfect home. The Garden of Eden was the perfect home for us human beings, if we really think about it. How many of the first humans? This is what we believe here. <laughs> the perfect home. Everything in gar the garden was meant to last forever. They had everything that they needed. They had, they, the Bible says they were naked and unashamed. <laughs> Everybody's like, yes, I walk around my house naked. But like our, the Garden of Eden is what it, that was actually meant for us as humans. So because of that, we actually all, I think we all have this desire for home. Because of sin, we don't have that anymore. So we have, all of us have at least two similarities. We're all humans in this room. And another thing is none of us have ever experienced the perfect home. No matter how good your, your childhood was or anything, none of us have ever experienced a perfect home. Am I right? Yeah, none of us have experienced. But we all kind of want that. We all this desire. We all love home. All the hands that raised up. Yes, I love home. I love my home. I love the feeling of home. And the desire to want a good home, right? So, we, so I actually want to show you a picture. Um, this is my childhood home. This child, I actually stopped by this week. Um, I, just, I was in uh, over the um, American, so I, I drove over to go to a kids museum and I stopped by. This is my childhood home. I lived in this home. It's a bad picture, sorry. I am not a photographer. I just pulled in, took a picture real quick and left. And um, so uh, it is still, the, home, the house is still owned by my dad. So I wasn't like a creeper taking a picture, but... Uh, <laughs> So this home I lived in from when I was like one all the way until um, like, I don't know, when I left for school and got an apartment or something. So this home, I remember in the hallway, there's like a brown shag carpet and it was like all padded down in one area because our dog Tess laid there. In this home I had my, Tess was an amazing German Shepherd, but I also had a favorite pet. Her name was Tasha. She was a guinea pig. My older sister and I made a song. Tasha, Tasha, Bobasha, Fifi, Fofasha, Tasha. If that is the only thing you memorize or remember from today, please don't let that be it, okay? But like, that was my song for my guinea pig. And in this house, I remember like we had the home, or the, the home, the phone with the twirly cord. <laughs> we had that, I remember where it was. Good memories in this home, so good. Like even stopping by, it's like, oh, good. Also in this home <laughs> was a lot of fighting. And a lot of, when I think about it, like a lot of like the first thing that comes to my mind when I think of the bad, because there's a lot of good, but the bad, there was a lot of walking on eggshells. As a child, teenager, this like pit in my stomach almost all the time, not sure. That really has transferred into my adulthood. This, you know, this feeling, this uh, pit in my stomach, not really sure what's going to happen. A lot of just unsure. Many, many, many nights as a kid and as a teenager going to sleep, listening to my parents fight because of their own brokenness. 
and a lot of words spoken that should have never been spoken that have stayed with me all the way into my adulthood. Homes, like kids, like us humans, are beautiful, right? All these good memories and also really messy. They're hard. <laughs> and they're, but this, this feeling of home, this, this idea of home is so profound that like when someone loses their home, it's like a violation to us as humans, right? When someone loses their home in a fire or something, you are, oh, it like cuts deep. Or your house is broken into, that's never happened to me, but I can't imagine just like you feel naked almost, like that's my home. There's someone in the Bible I wanna read you about, Nehemiah, his name was Nehemiah, and he, okay, I'm generally with kids, so I'm gonna give you just a quick, brief, like, this is who Nehemiah is and what's going on in the story, okay? Okay, Nehemiah, has anyone ever read the whole book of Nehemiah? No, not many, okay. All right, so, okay, think about this. <laughs> Big group of people. Let me make sure I'm on track here, okay. Big group of people, uh, God's family, God's chosen people, they are called the Israelites because they live in Israel, right? Okay, and there's a city in Israel called Jerusalem. Okay, pause there. Israelites, not all the Israelites were living there. There is a man called Nehemiah who lived over in Persia. And he was, he was, it says right in the beginning of Nehemiah, it says that he was uh, working for the king. I think Xerxes or whatever king was alive then. He um, was working for the king and he was a cup bearer. So this was his job. So I think probably pretty good living conditions, I guess, but his job sucked <laughs> because he I mean, if you like wine tasting, I suppose you would like this. I like a nice glass of dry red wine, but I would not want this job. <laughs> His job was to, anytime the king wanted a sip of wine, he would take a sip. Why? To make sure it wasn't poisoned, right? So I guess that's, I guess that's a way that people killed kings. So he would take a sip, and then if he didn't die, I guess, the king would drink it. So that's his job, but he's... I don't know if he's living good, but he is living, he, he works for the king and he probably lives in the palace because you're not gonna walk five miles if the king wants a glass of wine. So he's in here, he's there, he's in Persia working for the king, cupbearer. His brother comes along and I wanna read you what his brother tells him about this city, Jerusalem, okay? His brother comes to Nehemiah and his, his brother, I'm gonna skip a bit. Sorry for the people who are doing the slides. I'm gonna skip a little bit. His brother says to them about Jerusalem, they said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. So Nehemiah hears like his people, his he's not living there, but his people group, his kind of home, his, his that's, that's where my people are. It's not going well. He heard that it's the, all the walls are broken down. So the, if, a, if a city doesn't have a wall around it, they're vulnerable to attacks. And also, this says like the, they weren't really following God. So it just broke Nehemiah. He, he sat down and wept. So, and then Nehemiah starts praying. And it go, in Nehemiah, he prays a lot. It's, a, it's like a habit of Nehemiah. He prays and goes, I need to do something about it. So he's like, I'm gonna go to the king. And the next time he wants a glass of Merlot, <laughs> I'm gonna go. And he, he goes to the king and he, he could have died going to the king. So he goes to the king and he actually looks sad because he's been mourning and fasting. And the king actually, even looking sad to the king could have gotten him in trouble. But the king goes, what's wrong? And so Nehemiah's like, well, this is what's up. And can I have permission to, to leave and go? Um, and the king actually grants him permission and actually asks, what, do you, what else do you need? And so the king says, yes, you can leave. Um, and so I'm sure it was a treacherous journey. He didn't go by air. <laughs> a treacherous journey to get to Jerusalem. So the king actually doesn't, even, doesn't just say, yes, you can go, but he provides um, uh, like care along the way, officials to meet him, maybe feed him, maybe housing or whatever, um, provides care along the way. So Nehemiah goes, fast forward, goes, gets to Jerusalem, assesses the situation, and it's bad. So he, next, he gathers the biggest volunteer, we think our dream team is big, the biggest volunteer group known to him, humankind, to build, rebuild this wall. You still with me? Okay, no, so he starts to build this wall, and he, 
<sighs> the, the attacks start coming because this, peop, this group of Israelites, God's people have always had enemies and people don't wanna see them succeed. So they start rebuilding these walls and it's looking pretty good. They have this leader, Nehemiah. They start building these walls and the attacks start coming. People just making fun of them and people... Um, like sending petitions, like stop your work. And there's even like, like a, a priest was paid to tell me, like get Nehemiah to, to leave what he was doing. And Nehemiah's like, I'm not stopping. I'm not going down there. And he was equally persistent. But there, there's also like p attacks planned with like swords. <laughs> and like these people are ready to attack. And what is very interesting is what Nehemiah does. So I'm gonna read you something else. So picture this, Nehemiah, they're building the wall, and this is a very, very big wall, and there's lots of things going on, and this is what Nehemiah does. He says to the people, therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall, or he's explaining, explaining to us, therefore, therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives, your homes. So Nehemiah got all these people ready to attack and the wall's not done yet, so it's not safe. And he looks for, not the strong places of the, the wall, but actually looks for the weak spots, the exposed places. And who does he put there? Families. So bizarre. He places families with so spears and bows, but he places families. Because who are you going to fight for with the most intensity? Your family, right? If you got your, kid, your wife and your kids with you, you're gonna fight on a whole nother level. If you got your, your husband with you or you're like your in-laws or your, you know, your grandparents and your family, you're gonna fight. And so they were ready, they were building, but they had their swords and bows, but they were stationed as families in the weak spots he put families. It's like Nehemiah knew the power that can come when someone is not just fighting for their big city or their people group, but their individual families. There's power that comes with that. And so they fought back then. They had swords, spears, bows. There's attacks coming, potentially coming. They were ready. But the same thing is true today. There is a lot in this day and age that comes against families. And children, teenagers, really the next generation. So I wanna pose this question and work through some points of how can we here, March 2023, fight for our children our homes, our family, and really the next generation. And I wanna, before I go through these points, you, don't check out on me if you don't have kids or if your kids are grown, grown up and, and out of the house. You're like, well, that's not my season now. This is not about that because we actually, everyone in this room is called to live a generational life. It doesn't matter if we have birthed another generation. We can, I said fight, how do we fight for our next? But how can we invest in our next generation, the next generation. And I know I'm the kids person, but I'm not just talking about kids. I'm also talking about teenagers and young families. So how can we do this? Number one, I did fill in the blank. Who likes fill in the blank? Mia, that is all. And <laughs> okay, not many people, so okay. I thought you would enjoy that then, fine. So, all right. So <laughs> number one, pray for them. Pray for them. This is for everybody, okay? And when I, when, I, when I say pray for them, if you are, Ryan talked a little while ago, like a couple, I don't know, months ago when he spoke, he's talked about like having a bit of a hard time praying. When I say pray for some, pray, you can pray for them. Who's them? The kids, next generation. I don't do well being like, okay, I'm gonna pray for the next generation. God just like be with the next generation, like pretty much ends there. <laughs> okay, amen. Like, I mean, that, there's power in that too. But when I say pray for them, I, we can, like right now, Pastor Roy, oh, I love this series of no, no a name, no a, fa no, no a face, no a name, no a story. We, we, we've been hearing about that up there. That's true downstairs too. No a face, no a name, no a story of a child or a teenager or just a young family. 
but specifically children. We can know a face, then we can know their name, but we can also know their story, and that changes things, right? So when I say pray for them, if you just even pick one kid and pray for them. There is a family that I, I say, I've prayed for your kids more than I prayed for mine. <laughs> like uh, the Rose, just Caleb and Sarah and, and Josh, there's something, oh, I just love them so much. And it's easy to pray for them. Good, that's who I pray for more, more than any other kids. But when it comes to praying, like we don't have to have this, I, sometimes I'm like, oh, it's like overwhelming praying. But if you are hanging out with a young family or you are just connected to a kid, pray for that one. It's just one, just pray for that kid. And here's a few things to pray for, okay? Love this. Pray for them to have a fear and reverence for God. And if this is new to you, you're like, you want them to be scared of God? No. A fear and reverence for God is just a respect for God. And something comes from, something bubbles up from a fear of God, from a respect from God. And we can read it in, in Proverbs 9, 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Don't you want your kids to be wise? We want our kids and our teenagers and our young families to be wise. And if you don't know what wisdom is, you can ask the school-agers downstairs. <laughs> and I say this because we do stuff downstairs. We don't just babysit. We do things. And the school-agers, a couple months ago, the, our curriculum is monthly. And a couple months ago, the, the school-age theme was wisdom. It was super. And so halfway through the month, halfway through the month, I was, I was like, I'm going to see if they have been listening, if anyone has been listening at all. So, <laughs> you know, sometimes I get that. So halfway through the month, I was like, all right, guys, like I was just down with the school agers and I was like, so what's wisdom? Titus Nogler raises his hand and he goes, just being able to make a good choice. I'm like, Yes, like, yes, this is it. This is it. We can, we can want so many things for our kids, but if they can make a good choice, that's wisdom. And the beginning of wisdom is having a respect for God, a healthy respect for God. So the next thing, pray for them to be surrounded by divine favor. Favor is just unearned, right? It just, it just is unearned. And, and a verse that I found a couple summers ago, and then I prayed it over Everest. Every single day I brought him to school, and eventually he would just like, like say it. It was kind of funny. The verse is 512. Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with favor like a shield love that. So every time I dropped him off at school, I was like, God, let him have a good day and surround him with favor like, and he would be like a shield. <laughs> like this is just what mom does. <laughs> but we can grab this verse, write it down. Psalm 512. So God, would you surround so-and-so with a favor like a shield that they would be be protected of what comes in, but also what comes out, that they would be protected, their innocence, and that they would grow up appropriately and all that kind of stuff. So Another thing would be pray for them to have godly friends and influences. Like, they need that. Show me your friends, show, your, show me your future type thing, right? Um, Proverbs 14, seven through nine, the message version, I really like that. If you wanna write that down, I'm gonna not read it right now. Two, speak well of them. How can we fight for and invest in the next generation, our homes and our families, our kids? Speak well of them. This is for all of us. And I was thinking about this, this point, I'm like, man, like, if, this sounds like intense, but like if we don't have, makes me teary, if we don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all. When it comes to our kids and our teenagers, if, and I really like, and there are, you know, things in life that I'm like, oh, anytime I think of that, I just, ugh. Like, I just have, you know, whatever. And I realize, like, I actually need to go to God. So if you have, like, when you think about kids or teenagers, the next generation, and what you think, uh, the first thoughts you have are negative or just, you know, annoyance or something, if you can just bring that to God, like, it's not a surprise to him. If we can just bring that to God and be like, God, this is what I think about it. Would you change my mind? Because we want to be, I think we are, but we want to be a church that has, like, kids and teenagers, I'd say, hearing us talk good about them. Isn't that so empowering? The, the, the older elementary kids downstairs, we can get tricked. <laughs> they can be intimidating sometimes. We can get tricked that they don't care, but they so do. 
they so do. They care about what we're saying about them, how we're talking to other adults about them. If we speak well of, and um, Romans 4, 17, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. If we are in a place where when we think of, you know, the, the young generation alpha, which is all downstairs right now, 2010 and after that, generation alpha, <laughs> that's who I have right now. It's an intense, beautiful group of humans. If you think apathy or addicted to technology or all these things, okay, but we will see what we want to see. If we, if we have that lens, we're, gonna, we're only going to see that. So let's be a people who call, gives life to the dead and calls into being things that we're not. Let's call things into being. Okay, number three, get free and free them. This is a kind of a weird one. I, it may, may be weird to you. You're like, huh, what do, what do, I, what do you mean by that? Um, how do we fight for our kids, our families, and our homes, um, really the next generation? Uh, something that we can do, uh, anybody, um, but if you are a parent right now or a grandparent and you have like, like a lineage, like you have you know, people coming up behind you with the same name, <laughs> something that we can do for them is get ourselves free. And what I mean by that is, I think I've, I've talked about this before. Uh, like our, our values here at Harvest are, everybody say it with me now, know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. So know God, one of the, the gifts, a gift that we can give our kids is our own personal relationship with Jesus. But another thing, know God, find freedom. Because f- when we get freedom in our life, that's, out of that, we're gonna be able to do all the other things more effectively, more in a healthy way. And a couple years ago, before COVID, I was like, I am messed up. <laughs> I, I, need, I need some help. Like I just got, you know, just stuff from my childhood. Uh, realizing, oh my, I didn't really realize everything was from my childhood, but I'm like, wow, I, I, there's just some stuff I need help with. And so I got a wonderful, intense whole year of, of counseling, Christian counseling, and it was so awesome. I'm so thankful to be at a church where it is not taboo to get some help. Um, and out of that, during that year, when I would be like driving up to Ottawa or like going to my sessions, I don't wanna go, or like after a session, it was so good and I'm like crying all the way home from Ottawa. I would always be like, okay, I'm not just doing this for me. I am doing it for my children and their children and their children because I don't want my kids to, to deal with the things that, I have to, that I've had to deal with. That, what goes along with that is creating a different atmosphere in our home, but also just generational stuff. I wanna deal with my stuff so they don't have to. They will have their own stuff because they are humans and they are beautiful and very messy. They're all of that. They'll have their own stuff. But if I can break something off now, I want to. So I encourage you to get help. And when you see, when you, when, and approach it like this, not I need to get help because I'm so messed up. Not that I'm, I wanna get help. I wanna get I, I want to just go talk to somebody, even just like set a meeting with Pastor Roy or like get counseling or whatever you need to do. Not because I'm so messed up, but because I want to be more free. There was just recently, just uh, I haven't, I still got the issues. <laughs> I'm still struggling here. There's a few things that I'm like, Ryan, I just, I need to, I don't need like a whole year of counseling again, but like I need, I need some help with a few things. Like there's a few things that keep like, we're on their ugly head. And I, I just, I want to get it out. I, I need to talk to somebody. I need to get, I get, get it out because I know there's more freedom for me. There's more freedom for my mind and more freedom for my, for my heart and, and ultimately for my children. So get free. Um, number four, I'm preaching to the choir here with this one, but I do want to encourage you guys. Take them to church. Because kids need, I tell, like, I have some people on my kids' church team are here, and 
you've heard me, they've heard me say this before, kids need to hear about Jesus and what he's done for them as early and as often as possible, as early and as often as possible, repetition, 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 right? And a couple weeks ago, Lou Ella, my daughter, she's only two and a half, and she re, like rehashed the whole story of Zacchaeus. I never taught her that. <laughs> It's downstairs and I'm never in her room. It was all the beautiful teachers, the beautiful human beings who are complicated and beautiful and messy, working it out with all these toddlers, teaching them stuff. And she told us the whole story of Zacchaeus. And she's like singing this song. Yes, clap, it's amazing. And, uh, and she, like, she'll be singing this song. I'm like, I have no idea. Oh, it's the song, it's the worship song for down in the toddler room. And a couple, like last year, I keep remind, I asked Everest if I could share this because he is getting older and it's his story to share. And this morning he was like, mom, are you gonna share it? <laughs> um, and so he said, yes. But um, last, I keep reminding him, I'm like, bud, it's almost one year uh, your one year anniversary. And because um, last Easter, I was putting him to bed, um, long day, you know, here it's busy and putting him to bed and he seemed really off. And, um, you know, you know, your kid and I'm like, man, what's wrong? And I was like, hey, what's wrong? And he's like, no, nothing. And I'm like, okay. You know, he's like a, I mean, I suppose I would do that with my daughter too, but she, she just willingly tells me everything. That, <laughs> uh, but he doesn't and he's like, no, it's fine and nothing. And, and he was five at the time. And I'm like, okay, yeah, well, if you like want to talk, I'm like, please tell me what's wrong, you know? And he's like, no, no, that's fine. And I'm like, okay, I say to him, I prayed for him and like I'm about to leave and always it's, you know, it's like that time. He's like, mom, under his covers. And I'm like, yeah? I'm like, yes, he wants it. But I like played it cool. I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, he's like, I want to ask Jesus into my life. And I'm like, I also played it cool, but I was freaking out inside because like, this is huge. <laughs> and, and I realized, and so we talked and we prayed and it was a very big deal. And, and so now we have this date in his life um, that he asked Jesus, it, was it this big emotional thing for him? No, the simplicity, the magnitude, but also the simplicity of the gospel. He realized Hmm, we've been talking. And so I did ask him, I was like, hey, do you, like, you know, did you hear anything at church? Like, cause I taught him, I think on Easter, but Good Friday, it was a big, uh, Steph Dumont actually did the whole school age thing. And I, and he, and I was talking to him, he's talking about Easter service and he just remembered the eggs and the things that we did. But he talked about the, the Good Friday service, which is really our in-house kids. And that's why we really try, I'm already planning it, like with the school agers, really like just, it's a powerful morning on Good Friday with the school agers. And, and Steph DeMoe shared when she asked Jesus into her life. And I was like, hey, did you, you know, did you hear her? He's like, yeah. And she asked, does anyone want to ask Jesus into their life? And he was like, no, I don't want to. And that's fine. I would say that's fine. But he did that night. And I, now it's not just because of Good Friday it's little investments, right? And so the next, the next one um, is train them. So this is primarily for, you know, parents who are like me. <laughs> and I, I'm like, oh, I don't wanna talk about parenting because I'm only six, six years into this. I know nothing, like, but it's, I'm up here because I, I need help too. <laughs> and I'm currently in it. I'm currently in the training mode in my own messiness and my own sinfulness and, and trying to get it, I get it wrong and then, and then I have wins and all of that. And I would like to pose the question, just ask yourself today, like where am I winning in my parenting? That's a great question to ask yourself because if you're like me, I'm always like, oh, like I did that wrong or this wrong, but like where are, where are Ryan and I winning today, right now? Yeah, there's lots of things we need help with, but where are we winning? Um, so train them. I wanna read a verse to you. If you've never heard this verse, I encourage you to write it down and uh, I don't know, get it somewhere in your house or something. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. I like the NLT version. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up. Tie them up to your hands, wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So this training, 
I also like the, the definition of train. To teach a particular skill or type of behavior through practice and instruction over a period of time. So this training that we're doing that I'm currently into is again and again. It's over a period of time. I am finding that parenting is not like, it, we can't like um, cram for it. <laughs> it's not like a, oh, like, you know, when they're the night before they move out, it's like a, a test, I can, like an exam I can cram for. It's not actually, it's like based off of like all these small investments, big investments over a period of time. <laughs> and I just want to encourage you that you can do this. If you're, if you're raising young kids like me, we got this. We can do this with the help of the Holy Spirit. We can do this. And if it feels weighty, it's supposed to because it's work. And we were made for work. We were actually made for hard work. And this is good work. So keep bringing your kids to church. Keep now... Church isn't where they're the primary discipler of your child you are. And in your home is where you do that. But I want to also, um, oh my goodness. Oh, the other, other uh, definition of, of um, train is to point or aim something. Love that. Because it kind of goes along in the Bible. It talks about like your quiver full of arrows. You know, it makes me think of like during these years, this is what I'm doing with my kids. Like I, however you hold a bow and arrow. I haven't done that since like high school, but like, yeah, like this. And it's like the pulling back, you know, you, they're close to you. They stay close to you. You're pulling them back, you know, and then we're pointing them and they're constantly pointing, right? Redirecting over and over again, over a period of time, repetition, and it all doesn't happen at once, but we pull back and then at the right time, we let go and pray that they hit the bullseye, right? And they're not going to a lot of times. And something that I pray over, over my kids too is like when, not if, when they fail, when they sin, when they have, you know, ups and downs that they would run to Jesus, that they would run to Jesus. And um, this is good work. Our families, our homes, our kids, they're worth fighting for. And it's just five little points of things that we could do today. But if you give me just five more minutes, I have talked a lot about families, homes, and all of that. And if you're like me, um, and you had like, you know, when you think of your childhood home, it, you may have really amazing memories um, and some hard ones too. Because if you're sitting here and you're like, I actually, ugh, like talking about family or home, like it's cringy to me almost. It's, it's, it's painful. And I'm not surprised and you are not alone because home and family can be the greatest source of joy and the greatest source of pain. And he, myself here, I have experienced the heaven on earth joy that comes from my little family <laughs> and, and, and being married to Ryan, joy and just an amazing like restoration and, and the, just, you know, better than I could have, better than I deserve. Joy has come from family. And then on the other hand, the deepest pain I have ever felt in my life has come from family. It's both. And it, I hate that, but it is true for us. It's like our story as humans. It's hard. It's, uh, it's hard. But I want to I wanna read something to you. If you're like, I don't like talking about families or I don't, it's, it's hard. It's, it, there's something that it's not, it's my situation. It's not the way it's supposed to be. I want to read something to you. Give you a little bit of hope this morning. Jesus, when he, um, before he was about to die, he did something very human, very messy. He had dinner at someone's house. And, um, and he, after dinner, he, what did he do? Washed his friend's feet. And, uh, and at, in, that, in that story, he says something to his friends that I just love. John 14, one through three. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and also trust in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, 
I'll come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. I'm so thankful for Jesus. I'm so thankful for Jesus. We are not in the Garden of Eden. None of us have ever experienced that. <laughs> None of us have ever experienced a home that is perfect and not complicated and messy and hurtful <laughs> and, and parents that hurt you. Yeah, all of that happens this day and age. In the Garden of Eden, that didn't happen. It was meant to be perfect. <laughs> but because of sin, our sin, we ruined it, <laughs> us humans. And then we, there's a home in eternity that we have to look forward to. There's a home, in, in another version it says, in my father's home there are many mansions. And there's a kid's song that goes like, in my father, oh, that's gonna sound really bad with that. <laughs> like, I'm not gonna sing. There's a kid's song. <laughs> there's a kid's, song, kid's song about like the many mansions and there is actually the reality of heaven right now. There is a place that Jesus the Bible says Jesus is at the right hand of the Father right now. He is preparing a place for you. So we're not in the Garden of Eden, but we're also not there either. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? But we don't live in the in-between being like, I just want to die to go to heaven. No, we don't. Here, here, we can have home. We can have restoration and peace because of Jesus, because of, some, because of him and what he did for us. And the way I explain just really quick to the kids is like, here's, I'd always draw this like, like this. I should have brought a chalkboard. I was like, just explain salvation to the kids super quick. Here's like, I draw like a stick figure and then there's like, and then here's God. And they're always like, God is smiling or like God has a, God's right leg is longer or whatever. <laughs> so here's us. And this, it used to be like this. But then because of our sin, and I always say, what is sin? It's how I explain sin to kids is anything bad that we think, say, or do. It doesn't have to be a big, long explanation. This is sin. So because of sin, shoot, all this, we can't get to God. And, but because of Jesus, he made a bridge. And I like draw a bridge and then I put a cross there. And because of Jesus now, the stick figure can walk over to God. I'm so thankful for that. That profound story, <laughs> that profound reality is true for us in this room and also for the kids. And that's why we do salvation, little salvation calls with the kids because this is powerful truth that because of Jesus, we can now actually be with God. We're not in the Garden of Eden, perfect place. We're not in heaven yet, but in the between, we can be with God because of what Jesus did, with us, did for us. And so if you are here this morning and you have never, you want that, you're like, yes, I know. <laughs> like, I, I, that feeling of home, like we can actually, our, our, this is not our true home. Heaven is. But right now we can actually experience home because of Jesus and here at church. Now church is gonna be just as messy and complicated as our homes and as our kids because it's full of human beings. But thank God, God uses messy human beings because he wouldn't use anybody, right? <laughs> But because of Jesus, we can be, we can, we can see restoration. We can have actually peace that blows our minds. The Bible says it, peace that that is doesn't even make sense here. But if you've never accepted Jesus, like my son, my five-year-old, he wasn't bawling his eyes out. Or, I mean, you can bawl your eyes out if you want, but he didn't. He just, out of his own, the little investments, um, and also the Holy Spirit drawing his heart because we don't, we don't even come to God on our own. We have to, God first has to draw on our hearts. He makes the first step actually, it's not us. We think we're so great. <laughs> like it's actually God who draws our hearts first. So if you this morning have never asked Jesus into your life, like my five-year-old did, we wanna create an opportunity for you this morning. So everybody bow your heads just for privacy and <sighs> Okay, three, two, one, raise your hands if you want to. And if there's nobody, that's fine too. Just wait a sec. Okay, God, thank you for this morning. 
almost want to read just real quick while our eyes are closed. Psalm 27:10. I crossed it out because I'm like, oh, we don't have enough time and all that. Um, this verse, now my parents, I have wonderful parents and both parents, I mean, goodness, I just, I'm so thankful for them. I'm so thankful that in their complicated lives, they brought us to church. They made that invest- investment. <laughs> I'm so thankful. There was a time, you know, just some really, really hard things going on. And I, I found this verse. I always say found this verse because I just discover it and, it, and, it's, and it, they mean a lot to me. And it said, though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. So God, thank you that you, are, you receive us, that we find our home in you. And God, this morning, if anyone's feeling like I don't like talking about family, I don't wanna talk about home and where I come from, you would have no, n- no idea. I think, you, I just wanna say that you are not alone this morning. And Jesus, I thank you that you promised your Holy Spirit, that you told your disciples, it's better that I actually go. Don't worry, guys, it's better because of who I'm gonna send. So Holy Spirit, thank you for coming and thank you for moving this morning in our hearts, for drawing our hearts and reminding us that this actually, everything that we see is temporary and it, there is another home. There's a hope that we have in eternity. There's a home that God is making for us. If we can just imagine the, the perfect home, I always like, I just want lots of, lots of house plants in mine. <laughs> like there's, you know, in like a cupboard full of peanut butter or something. Like, does God know these things about me? I think he does. And like, I just thank you, God, that you know us, that you're preparing a home for us, that we have that promise. But right now today, God, I just thank you that we can find our home in you. Bring healing to the things that are, that are so painful and things that happen that should have never, ever happened to us as children or teenagers. Thank you that there is healing today, that there is freedom today, that we don't have to walk with those limps and those those issues anymore. And God, we just lift up this next generation, this this specifically generation alpha that is downstairs right now. God, we just pray, God, a, a, a hedge of protection and also that, that sh- favor like a shield around them, God. And most of all, that they would come to know you, Jesus, at the right time and the perfect time, God, that you would protect their minds and their hearts, Lord. And God, I pray for families, young families raising children right now, God. We just lift ourselves up to you, God, and we need help in our frailty and our just trying to figure out and do what's right. God, would you give us wisdom? Just like Titus said, the ability to make a really good choice. Would you help us, Jesus? Let us be a church that speaks well of the next generation, a church that prays for these kids. You are so good, Jesus. Where would we be without you? We love you. Amen. ready to fight harvest come on we're gonna fight for this generation 
We're gonna believe God for freedom. We're gonna believe God for some great things. What an amazing word. Thank you, Brittany, so much. I, I just wanna challenge you today that you find a family today that maybe you don't know their kids' names and you're gonna start praying for them this week. And Brittany gave us some really practical things we can pray, that you'll speak well, speak well of this generation. It's easy to see uh, where they're missing it, but begin to speak well of a generation, probably the most creative generation that has yet lived. Just the creativity and the things that they can do that we didn't even dream of doing. Get free and free them. I don't know about you, but that went through me like a sword. I thought, wow, you know, that, that we would just focus on finding freedom from our yesterdays so that we can give this next generation a, a, just a push into their destinies. Take them to church, so awesome, and train them. Let's fight for this generation. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you that your presence has been here in a powerful way. I thank you, Lord, that as we go today, we go fighting, Lord, but not by ourselves. <laughs> we fight with the name of Jesus, the authority and the power of the Holy Spirit with us. For every parent in this room, we are not alone. Father, we have you. And love covers a multitude of sin, even when we get it wrong with our kids. Because you love us, we love you, and we love our kids, it just gets washed away. You have a way of doing that. So we go in the washing love of Jesus today. And everyone said, amen. God bless you. Have an amazing week. We have prayer today at the front. Our prayer team is here. If you need prayer for anything today, we'd like to stand with you. In a